Sometimes that one missing piece of knowledge is the main piece of knowledge that we need to make huge strides in our craft. So on that, today we're going to be talking about three things that I wish I knew earlier on in my songwriting journey that hopefully, if you don't know them already, you will also be inspired to learn them too so that you can avoid the pain that comes from not knowing these things earlier on in your songwriting journey. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I am your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored to get the opportunity to speak with you today. I know that everybody has a busy life and taking 30, 45 minutes to talk about songwriting, to listen to any songwriting podcast means that you are dedicated to the craft of songwriting. And that means a ton to me. That excites me that people actually care about the craft of songwriting. And they're not just, I don't know, writing some okay stuff. And they're like, ah, good enough. Uh, But it probably means that you want to get better as a songwriter. Otherwise, why would you be here? So that excites me. But also, I'm honored that you chose this podcast. as opposed to perhaps other ones. So I appreciate that. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about three different things that I wish I knew earlier as a songwriter. So for this episode, I really tried to think back about when when I first started and what I thought were some of the most revolutionary realizations that helped make songwriting easier something that I was more efficient at, something that I was better at, and really try to pick some of the main things that I thought, okay, this made a huge difference for me. The first one is that I found that, generally speaking, I think it's a lot easier to go from music to lyrics than the other way around. So I may be preaching to the choir here, because I think most people lean towards music first anyway. But there certainly are those of us out there that start with lyrics. And usually it's those of us who really value lyrics very highly. And sometimes it's because people start more from the poet-writer side of things and then kind of get into music in order to transition into songwriting, which I think is the path taken less. Most songwriters probably start as musicians, right? Most of you, as you're listening, probably your story is something like you started learning guitar or you started learning piano or maybe you started learning maybe back in high school like flute or something and then later in life you're like, you know what, flute isn't good for songwriting, which would be fair enough. Uh, You can't exactly be a singer-songwriter playing flute, really, um, because you can't sing and play flute at the same time. Um, So then you decided to pick up guitar or something. Most of you, that's probably more or less your story, right? And then you're like, oh, you know, it'd be cool writing my own songs. But there's still plenty of people who I think try lyrics first. And at least for me personally, I found that I probably start with lyrics first initially, mostly because I feel like I'm kind of a weird case where even though I started playing the piano at like five and guitar, I think I was like nine or 10 or something. 
I also was into poetry, 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 whatever that is, poetry writing. And, you know, I, I, I did those like classes at the library where they made a hardcover book with all the different kids writings that they did over the course of like the two week camp or whatever you called it class. I don't really remember what it was. Uh, you know, so I did all those things. I had like a fake newspaper article that I wrote weekly back in the day just on my computer. So I actually ended up kind of stumbling into songwriting almost as much, maybe even more from the writing standpoint, meaning the word standpoint than the music, which is um, maybe odd and it may be only somewhat accurate, but I think that's why I started with lyrics first. Also, I always knew that I thought lyrics were incredibly important. Um, so I thought, why not start with poetry and put it to music? I thought that's how songs were written. You take poetry and then you put it to music, which it absolutely can be done that way. But I find that the natural next step from lyrics tends to be melody. Um, and I've talked about this before, I believe in a, in a YouTube video, might have been a podcast, but usually if, if we're going to look at a song as basically three parts, you have your lyrics, you have your melody, and then you have your chords or harmony or instrumentation, all of them are somewhat accurate in their own way. Instrumentation is the most coverall. Uh, for example, a the drums have nothing to do with the chord progression, just to illustrate why those there is a difference between those words. But, you know, if you're writing a song on guitar, usually how you're thinking of the song is, hey, I have this chord progression, I have a melody on top of it, and the melody has lyrics. So if you think about it, melody is kind of the connecting piece between lyrics and chords because melody is directly connected to lyrics, right? That literally when you are singing, you are singing the melody and you are also singing the lyrics. How many syllables are in your line for your lyric need to match up with the number of notes in your melody, right? The, the melody needs to fit with the lyrics. You don't want emphases in the wrong places, all that kind of stuff. But thinking lyrics to chords, there's not really a direct connection, right? The connection is through the melody because based on the melody that you have, that restricts the chords that you can have underneath them. So for example, if you have a melody that's like, I don't know, let's say we're in the key of C major and the melody is like E and then C and then briefly on a D and then back and then to like a G. Like you basically just outlined a C major chord with a D thrown in there. So probably it's going to be on top of a C major chord. Overly simplistic way of looking at it. But regardless, your melody is certainly not agnostic of the chord progression and vice versa. So it's natural to go from lyrics to melody and then figure out the chords from there. There's probably other ways of doing it, but it's that's going to be even harder. And in the same way, if you start with instrumentation, usually the next step is melody and then lyrics come after that. Because again, going from instrumentation straight to lyrics, there, there's a loose connection at best, right? The, the theme and the feeling of the music probably should be there. So the theme of your lyric, you can probably arrive at just by background music, just by instrumentation before you have a melody. Um, but you're certainly not, you know, there's no direct connection of like there is with the melody. So anyway... Regardless of, of why it is, the tendency is that when you start with lyrics, the next step tends to be melody. And then from there, you try to figure out what the right chords are. And at that point, you're already constrained. 
So I, I like to talk about the how songwriting is a funnel. The basic I have a whole podcast about this, so we're gonna spend like two seconds on it here. But um, the basic idea is a funnel, right? It's wide at the top and it gets narrower over time. So songwriting is a funnel means basically as you make every creative choice in a song, what key it's in, what the song is about. Once you figure out how many syllables are per line that restricts, you know, the melody that can be with that line. Once you choose chords that restricts the melody. Um, once you have a bass line that that restricts what the chord progression that it goes with can be, all that kind of stuff. So every decision we make creatively limits our options in the next decision. So when you start with lyrics, the tendency is you already have lyrics and then you already have melody. So the melody somewhat dictates what chords you can have. Not that it dictates exactly what chord is the quote unquote right chord, but it certainly restricts the amount of chords. And then usually when writing that way, at least I find it very difficult to go from sort of figuring out, okay, what's, what's really the underlying chord here? And then trying to figure out an interesting piano hook or guitar hook. Guitar hook's a little easier, especially if it's a lead guitar hook, meaning uh, that that's basically just another melody. It's just played on guitar. But if it's something like a guitar chord progression that just has fancier like hammer-ons and some some individual notes picked out, or maybe it's just a finger-picked part or something like that, that adds little extra notes and hammer-ons and slides and all that kind of stuff, uh, or a piano hook being something where usually, you know, your left hand is playing maybe a bass line and then your right hand is playing some version of a maybe an arpeggiated chord or a series of arpeggiated chords or a mix between arpeggios and melodies. But I find it much harder at that point because you already have you're already constrained by lyrics, melody and what chords these hooks need to outline or what they need to sort of flesh out. Uh, so from there, it's just kind of difficult to come up with an interesting piano hooker or sometimes guitar hook. Usually what you're left with is a fairly basic, maybe more boring chord progression that might be block chords on the piano or, you know, just basic strummed, simple chords on the guitar. There's nothing wrong with those things, but uh, we want to be intentional about sometimes block chords because of the way they sound, are the right thing to choose for the piano. Sometimes the right thing for a guitar song is not to have finger picking, but for it to be strummed in a specific rhythm. So there's nothing wrong with the simple version of either instrument, but we don't want to be constrained to that. And I found that when I start with lyrics, I felt very constrained to having very simplistic instrument parts. Now, but if we go the other way around, and we actually start with the hook first, especially with, say, a piano hook. When you have infinite options, I, find, I find myself, at least, find it very easy or significantly easier to come up with a cool hook. Because you don't have to think, well, it has to be in, you know, if you're, let's say you're a guitarist, you don't have to think like, well, this is the melody already constrained it to we're in the key of G major. And also, I know that the main chords I have to outline or hit or imply at the very least with my guitar hook or riff it are, you know, G, C, D or something. So you don't have to 
within those constraints to try to figure out something. Instead, you can just pick up your guitar and noodle around, mess around, and find something that sounds cool, right? And then, and then off of that, you can build a melody off of that, which just a little bonus thing on that. Very, very much easier to write a killer melody, A, with the instrument you're best at. I write almost all of my vocal melodies on piano because I'm first and foremost a pianist. I also play guitar, but I'm more of a pianist than guitarist. And at least I find it easier to visualize a melody um, when I do it on the piano compared to just singing it. And of course, I sing along with it eventually, just test it out, because just because it sounds right on the piano doesn't mean it will translate well vocally. Um, but I do find it easier to, say, record something that I did, even if it's on your phone. If you have a cool guitar riff, record it on your phone with you playing it for like two minutes straight over and over, then play it back on your phone and try to just improvise singing over it. Or maybe if you're a really good guitarist, do some soloing over it, thinking to yourself, okay, the soloing I'm doing needs to be a singable melody because I'm writing the vocal melody. But anyway, I find that much, much simpler. And I think there's several reasons for this, but one is that Arguably the most complex thing you're going to write as a songwriter usually is going to be a intricate guitar hook or a piano hook. So, you know, take, um, take Clocks by Coldplay. I feel like I use this as an example a lot, but it's one of those piano-based songs that I'm very confident everybody knows. So I can almost tell that that song started with that very memorable piano hook. Because it's pretty obvious to me that the, the 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 vocal part is very much worked around, okay, what, what vocal can we have on top of this piano part? And I don't think that Chris Martin would have come up with that piano part if he was already constrained to a specific chord progression. That comes from playing around on the piano and writing a great piano part, which is easiest when you just start with the piano part. And the same thing is going to be true with guitar. And then from there, figuring out a great melody to go on top of it, which Clocks admittedly is probably not a great example of that, simply because while that main riff is playing, the melody is incredibly simple and it's two, two, two words. Um, but there's certainly other songs that qualify uh, for, you know, very memorable piano part. Um, the Fray had a bunch back in the day. Five for Fighting is always, always a good go-to for that. But after you've written your piano hook or your guitar hook, and then you figured out a melody on top of that, I think it's pretty natural to just hear music and think what this is about. And I think I think a good il illustration of this is any soundtrack you listen to, right? When you, when you hear uh, a soundtrack by a Hans Zimmer or John Williams, you can usually tell what's going on in the movie or, or, or you know, is this a tragic story? Is this a... Is this something triumphant? What is this story about, right? When you hear Battle of the Heroes by John Williams, you know something tragic has happened. There's, there's a fallen hero that has turned to the dark side. That's the song during Obi-Wan and Anakin's battle in episode three, by the way, if you didn't know. Anyway, um, so it, it's a pretty natural thing to kind of go from you, you hear and feel this music and you're like, oh, this feels like, like what this song should be about. And... Also, I find that great music and hooks specifically often comes from feel. So 
The probability of you sitting at the piano or the guitar, and after playing around for a bit, you come up with a really cool, catchy guitar hook or piano hook that is perfectly good as is and doesn't really need to be edited or needs very, very minor changes is very high, right? So so just for frame of reference, like it is not uncommon for me to just sort of improvise around for 30 minutes and have three different hooks that I really like that may or may not someday be built into a song done. Never in my life have I written three sets of lyrics in half an hour and been done. In fact, I think the closest I've ever come to that is I wrote one full lyric in one night. That's the best I've ever done with lyrics. And I think the reason for that is you can kind of just feel a catchy hook. But also, they tend to be simple, right? Some of them are literally four notes. So once you get that cool groove and, and the four notes, you're done. That's it. It's very simple. Now you have to build chords off of it and all that, but that's a totally separate process. As far as the basic hook, that is something that often can come from mostly feel and improvisation. But you're never going to improvise good lyrics. Maybe I shouldn't say never, but basically never. Words are much more complex. There's a lot more to it. You need to be telling a concise story. Your lyrics need to have the right effect. You need to be using good, precise words rather than generic, meaningless words that make it sound like, yeah, I've heard this same song 50 trillion times. Who cares? And in order to avoid that effect, that is, that's where revisions and work and editing and crafting come in. So especially for somebody who wants to have good lyrics, the tendency is that great lyrics are going to take you a long time, whether you wrote them first or last. And this is what I, what I experienced and what I learned. That I think I tried to do lyrics first, partially because I thought that the best way to have good lyrics and the best way to um, write good lyrics more quickly was to start with them. And what I've learned over the years is that that's not true at all. And it absolutely, it might even take me less time to write lyrics uh, when I have music because I'm already constrained. I know that my first line needs to be five syllables and my second line needs to be seven syllables. So now I'm like fitting words into a melody. I have, I almost find constraints helpful when I'm writing lyrics. Whereas I don't find it helpful when it comes to writing a catchy piano or guitar hook. Or even uh, chord progression. Little extra note here, because I think sometimes people might get confused between when we talk about a hook and then chord progression and where those fit in. Because I often will talk about how, in my, in my opinion, hooks are incredibly important and chord progressions aren't. And I think sometimes people take issue with that for uh, a couple of reasons, and and one is maybe a little misunderstanding of what I mean by that. So first, let's define a hook really quick, just to make sure. So sometimes people think of a hook just as like the vocal melody in a chorus, if it's very simple, and that's that's true. That's that is a word that's often used for that. But really, a hook is just like a fishing hook, right? It, it's meant to be a thing that people hear and they're and they're hooked in to listen to the song because of it. But usually, when we're talking about a hook, we're talking about Maybe a, that catchy, memorable bass line, right? Or for uh, an example of a hook would be when I say Seven Nation Army and you hear 
seven nation army in your that's that's the hook right that that uh sounds like a baseline but technically is with the guitar part is a hook right the the clocks to go back to clocks right? that main piano riff that that is a hook um and sometimes a chord progression and a hook are actually one and the same for example in rock it's pretty common to ha to basically play power chords so it's your chord progression technically, but it's done in a very riff-like way. Um, Smoke on the Water would be a great example of this. Smoke on the Water is both a chord progression and a hook. So I would argue as a hook, it is incredibly important. In fact, that's why everybody knows that song, especially if you're a guitarist, um, is because it's a catchy hook. The fact that it also happens to be the chord progression is kind of whatever. Um, it, it's kind of like for a lot of songs, you might, it, the bass line you definitely might notice with a really memorable bass line, and you've never even thought about what the chord progression is. But anyway, that's what I mean when I say hook. And so overall, point one, this is going to be the longest point, don't worry. Um, I at least find it much easier to start with writing a catchy hook, whether that be a hook that basically is a chord progression or implies a chord progression, doesn't really matter. I find it easier to start with that side. And if we think about the three parts that we want to make sure we have as great as possible when we're writing a song, we want as great lyrics as possible, as great melody as possible, and as great instrumentation, arrangement, chord progression as possible. That's all kind of one thing. They're not all one thing, but they're basically one thing, especially from a songwriting perspective. So to me, when I think I'm on track for a successful song, it usually is I have this cool piano riff that I find interesting or just fits the song perfectly, has the right emotion. Sometimes it's very simplistic. It doesn't have to be something complex. Um, and then a great melody on top and then meaningful lyrics on top of that. That is the recipe for success. I find... For me, it's significantly easier to start with the instrument hook and then the melody and then the lyrics if I want the best shot at having something great for all three of those main parts. So, turns out I probably could have made a whole podcast just on that one because I definitely have more stuff I could say, but let's get through the other two as well because I think they're important. Number two. Inspiration and magical stories behind songs are overrated, overstated, and shouldn't be pursued. So one of my earliest influences, this will surprise many of you if you listened before, maybe, probably. Um, but one of my earliest influences was John Denver. I won't get into the story of why that is, because uh, we don't have time and I spent a lot of time on the first point. And also, let's be honest with each other. We've known each other for well, some of us for a while. Maybe this is the first episode for you, but um, you don't care. <laughs> so uh, we won't talk about that. But I heard this the story of how he allegedly wrote his huge hit Annie song, you know, probably, probably one of his five most popular songs, uh, probably the bottom end of that five. But um, great love ballad in 15 minutes on a ski lift. It's a great story. I remember that story because it's a great story, right? How cool is that? You're just chilling on a ski lift. I don't know if he's actually skiing or what, 
I like to imagine it's in the Rocky Mountains because John Denver. If you don't know John Denver, you don't know why that's important. But uh, let's just say arguably his greatest hit is literally called Rocky Mountain High. Also, his real name was not John Denver. So just to give you an idea. But um, I don't know if it was in the Rocky Mountains. I like to imagine that. Uh, And just writing a song and, you know, such a huge hit and what I think is one of the greater love ballads ever in 15 minutes on a ski lift is just fantastic, right? Write the movie now. And that reminds me of a story from my favorite band, Vertical Horizon. The story of him writing uh, Everything You Want is basically he woke up in the middle of the night and just kind of heard the two riffs and thought, oh, that's cool. I'll write it in the morning. I'm tired. And then went back to bed. Then he wakes up again. Same thing. And then I think it's on the third time he woke up that he's like, all right, I guess I got to get up and write the song. And then that's the song that changed his life because everything you want was a mega smash hit. Um, even if you think you don't know what that song is, if you look it up, you probably be like, oh, this song. So again, great story, right? And what do they have in common? They have this like magical inspiration moment. And that's what makes them a good story. A story that that you want to hear. Nobody cares about the story of like, yeah, it took me 10 years to write the song. And honestly, you know, I wrote the chorus over the course of two months and I just couldn't figure out the verse. So I just like abandoned the song for three years. And then I picked it back up and a couple things had changed in my life. So I, I figured out what the song should be about in the verses. And I wrote the first and second verse. But man, now the bridge, I just couldn't figure out. Nope. You're probably bored already. Right. Like nobody cares about that story, but that's going to be most songs you write. Uh, So, you know, those those stories of the magical inspiration moment are cool. Right. So are the stories about like somebody who got discovered as a street singer and became a massive star a year later or like Slumdog Millionaire. Right. Like all that. Everybody loves that stuff. Right. The instant gratification, the, you know, magical moment where luck comes and visits you and just the right and just in the nick of time and everything's great and fine what we don't like unfortunately because i feel like this i mean this is what we should like but the story of hard work perseverance and it paying off which is the 99.99999% path to success for anything right i, I don't care what it is you want to be a millionaire? Your path is slow and steady investing. Not a lottery ticket. Um, is it a better story, though? The person who, like, picks up a lottery ticket off the sidewalk and then they scratch it and they're like, oh, I guess I'm worth $10 million now. Until they are broke two years later. But um, we don't tell that part of the story. So anyway, the moral of the story is, hey, These are cool stories, but we shouldn't pursue this. And there's there's several reasons for this. One is we can't control this. You just can't control the magical inspiration moment. I've had this for one song. One song I've had this. And it was awesome. It was cool. And it's the type of thing that I think to myself, if I ever were doing concert stuff, this was the song that I would take a step back and tell the story behind the song because it's a good one. Uh, But... At the end of the day, that's not something we can control, right? I did it once. It happened at a very specific time, 
when a specific set of circumstances put me in a place where it was just like a pressure cooker and boom song. Um, and you can't manufacture that and you shouldn't try. And the reality is that I'm not sure that results in a better song than one that you just work hard on. In fact, that song is probably still in the top 10 songs I've ever written. Um, but it's not, I don't think it's the best song I've written. And and probably all of the top five songs I've written are ones that had struggles. I couldn't get the bridge right for like five months. Stuff like that. It doesn't matter though, because most of the time the hard work's going to pay off. Now, does and, and here's the other thing. Nobody will care about the cool story behind your song if they don't like the song. And if people like the song, it's a bonus if there's a cool story behind it, but ultimately it doesn't matter, right? Uh, my favorite Vertical Horizon songs, um, not all of them, but but uh, pr probably most of my top five favorite Vertical Horizon songs, I have no idea the story behind it. And I'm the type of person, I've watched all the interviews. I've looked at all the weird, random 10, 20-year-old blog posts where some random person interviewed Matt Scannell and, you know, asked him all the questions. I've been to more of the, I, I've been to concerts of theirs in more states than I've lived in. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I've watched all the, like, terrible recordings online on YouTube that are from people's cell phones. Uh, even like 2009 cell phones, right? <laughs> Before cell phone cameras got actually pretty decent. But I say all that to say, like, it. who cares? Right? Again, it's a cool bonus when there's a cool story behind the song. But I don't think to myself, oh, Everything You Want is my favorite Vertical Horizon song because it has such a great story behind it. Like, no, who cares? Right? It, it's a cool bonus. It's a cool bonus. I do love that song. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I just care about the, the song that I like. Story is purely the bonus. So don't get distracted by the shiny thing that doesn't matter, which is the story. Don't try to artificially pursue that. Just embrace the fact that songwriting and most of your songwriting success and doing it well is most of it is perspiration. Most of it is just hard work. Most of it is being willing to take the time Take five more months to get that one part of the lyric right that just isn't working. Be patient. You got this. And don't don't be fooled by by those stories and think that that's that's the normal thing, right? There's a reason that your favorite artist probably has that story about one or two songs. <laughs> I don't have that story for every song, and there's a reason for that. Because the other ones are ones they probably had to work hard on over time. And they only tell the stories that are the stories you want to hear, which are those type of stories. All right. Last thing I wish I knew earlier as a songwriter. Those of you who have listened for a while are probably going to roll your eyes and laugh because you saw this one coming. But basic music theory. And before you turn it off, if you're newer here, I think a lot of people are anti-music theory simply because they do not know what music theory is. When they hear music theory, they think it's reading sheet music. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. In fact, you could know a ton of music theory and still not know how to read anything to do with sheet music. And you can know how to read sheet music and know nothing about music theory. 
I know this because I was a classically trained pianist. I, I say that just to be clear, meaning I took classical piano lessons from like five years old to 14 years old or something like that. I don't mean like, hey, you can hire me for your local orchestra. I'm not that good. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or exaggerating how good I am. Um, but like, so so I, I was reading sheet music for piano, which is almost inarguably the hardest instrument to read music for because you have to read like five notes at a time, unlike say cello or vocal, right? Or flute where you're reading one note, right? I have to read five at a time or more sometimes or less. But um, so I knew how to read music, but I didn't learn music theory until my 11th grade. I had literally stopped taking piano lessons before I knew any music theory because they're completely different. So the basic music theory that, well, well st little story first. So first legitimate song I wrote was in ninth grade. And I always knew there's just something a little bit off about it. It was the first time I had written a song that like seemed legit and was actually pretty decent. I recorded it. Uh, unfortunately, my father still has a recording of it and therefore uh, has the ability to blackmail me. Um, but, you know, someday I will find it and I will burn it, uh, <laughs> remove all evidence. Um, but anyway, um, and after I wrote that song, I wasn't happy with any other song for the next two years. So I wrote this early on in ninth grade. Uh, basically to inspire myself to ask the girl I was interested in uh, to dance. Uh, spoiler alert, did not work. Did not ask her to dance. Didn't ask her to dance until several years later when the ship had already sailed. Uh, so didn't work at all. Um, but uh, then I proceeded to, for two years, write a bunch of garbage and think, what the heck? How, like, why, why did I just get lucky and had one song that was like worthy of actually remembering and recording and everything else was like, Ugh, this is dumb. Like, eh, whatever. Now, part of it is usually, you know, at, at, at that age, you're not, you're just not going to be that good at songwriting. That's a part of it. The bigger part of it, much bigger part of it. And probably the biggest, most significant leap I've ever had in ability to songwrite was when I learned music theory. Because once I learned just the basics of music theory, like keys, it's one of the most basic parts of music theory. Um, that's when I realized, oh, that's why my song sounds off. Because a part of it's in the key of C major. The chorus is in G major, sort of, most of the time. But it awkwardly transitions into C major for a second before going back to G major. Because I keep, sometimes I use the F sharp and sometimes I don't. I use F natural instead. Um, and when F natural, that's implying that it's in C major. And when there's F sharp, that would be implying that it's in G major. Uh, there's other reasons how I know it's C major and G major, but I won't bore you with that. Um, the other songs I wrote probably sucked uh, because they were even more off. If I had just understood keys, literally just keys, very simple concept. All of this could have been avoided and two years worth of songs could have been written that weren't totally destined to be thrown in the trash. And 
From a guitar standpoint, I think it's a little easier to get away with not knowing some music theory for a little while. But eventually, you're going to run out of, you know, oh, I know that G chords and D chords and C chords, quote unquote, sound good together. And your songs are all going to start to sound the same because you're going to go to the same four chord progressions over and over and over and over again. And you're never going to know how to use them effectively. You're just going to figure out a chord loop, basically, that works and stick with it. And, you know, sometimes you'll probably break out of that. Uh, But for the most part, you're just kind of getting lucky. And you're relying on luck if you don't know basic music theory. And if there's one of these that you listen to and and, and just taking my advice on. I ask you for, let it be this one. Let it be this one. The first one might even be uh, just me. I can't imagine that it's just me. I'm fairly convinced that uh, anyone eventually would benefit from starting with music over lyrics most of the time. Um, I certainly think for everyone, you should not go for the great story and wait for inspiration and just embrace the fact that most songs you're going to have to work hard for. But man, I'm not exaggerating when I say, and it's not like music theory funds me, right? Like, like I don't make money from like, there's no sponsorship here, which I say partially tongue in cheek because of of course, like a concept can't sponsor me. I, I don't have something to gain from this, right? I would not tell you music theory is helpful if it wasn't helpful. In fact, I'll even I'll even admit fully, knowing to, how to learn sheet music is completely worthless for songwriting. So if you if if you are a person that you came into this podcast thinking music theory and understanding how to read sheet music were the same, and that's why you thought uh, music theory is worthless, um, I actually agree. Not that music theory is worthless, but what you meant was that um, what was worthless is reading sheet music. And I completely agree because all that's good for is communicating to another musician how to replicate what you created, which who cares? If other people aren't covering your song, it doesn't matter, right? Do you know how to play your song? Okay, good. You don't need to know how to write sheet music. But music theory is what allows you to sit at your instrument and be able to say something like, you know what, I'm going to sit up my keyboard and today I'm going to try to improvise in the key of E major, at least at first I may transition, which means that the notes I have available to me are E, F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, D sharp, and then back to E. And I also know that my E, that I have the chords E major, F sharp minor, G sharp minor, A major, B major, C sharp major, and then I absolutely should not use D sharp diminished. Um, And I also know the job of each of those chords in context. And I understand that an E major chord in the context of E major has a significantly different job than an E major chord in the context of a song in A major. Significantly different job. Same chord, but different job because of the context of what key they're in. And that knowledge is what allows you you or I to be exponentially more efficient and effective at writing music. Because understanding that is what allows you to transition from, you kind of are hail marrying 
everything if you don't really know music theory when it comes to music, right? You, you might be gravitating to the chord progressions that you quote unquote know work and you might be messing around on the piano or whatever until something sounds right, but you don't really know why it sounds right and you couldn't really replicate it. And for being honest, it was maybe a little bit lucky. And it's going to take you a while, right? Because you don't have any constraints to tell you what's going to work and you don't understand the rules and, and kind of how it all interplays together. Compared to if you know basic music theory, literally just like keys and chords, maybe chord progressions, if you understand those basics, then you can transition into assuming you're competent at your instrument that you can, for example, sit at a piano and just make music that sounds almost exclusively good off the top of your head improvising for hours, right? I can do that not because I'm some amazing pianist. I can do that because I understand basic music theory. Piano skill helps, but ultimately my music theory knowledge is exponentially more important to me being able to sit and improvise music that sounds good and try different things and write, you know, three, four, five different really good riffs in the course of a half an hour the reason for that is much more my music theory knowledge than it is my piano skill, exponentially more. So, and and just a last thing, sometimes I hear people say something like, we don't need music theory. And I agree. You also don't need to uh, be able to uh, write a decent chord progression. You don't really need to be a decent singer. Uh, arguably, you don't even need to be able to carry a pitch. There's lots of things we don't need. I, b I believe as humans, we need a, not exactly two things, food and water, arguably shelter. Some people would say love, depending on a point of view. Uh, that's it. You didn't need that promotion you got this year. You didn't need that new house. You don't need to ever not live in an apartment. In fact, you don't even need an apartment. You don't need that. Do you need internet? Nope. You don't need internet, but you sure do enjoy it, I bet. Um, so I know I'm being sassy about this, but like seriously, it, will, it is a terrible argument that like you don't need music. Of course you don't. You don't need anything, basically. The question is, is it beneficial? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. I just explained why that's so, but I'll also tack on... I've never known a person ever who knows music theory that would ever say anything other than it being incredibly helpful. The only people who say that you don't need music theory as if that's a meaningful statement or are being stubborn about like, oh, music theory is not helpful or my favorite, it's academic knowledge. Oof, that one's a rough one. Like just, nope. <laughs> no. Also, what does that even mean? But like, eh, I won't pick on it too much here. But um, that... The only people who say that are people who don't know music theory. And if you don't know music theory, how can you possibly know whether it's helpful or not? Right? Like, it, like yes, that makes that's, that's like the kid who says, I hate spinach and they've never tried spinach. Like you can't possibly know that if you haven't tried it. Um, so anyway, 
I'll get off my uh, <laughs> my soapbox for music theory. I just I truly think that, you know, especially if you're struggling with the music writing side of things or even if you're not and you think, hey, is there a way to get more efficient and more effective at writing music and being intentional about music and the different emotions I can create? That starts with understanding music theory. So I, I, f- I feel like if there's one thing I want people to get from songwriter theory in general, it's the power of music. Like if I had to pick just one thing. Uh, music theory is just man. And specifically the four main pillars of music theory that I think every songwriter needs to know, which are keys, chords, and chord progressions. And then also I have a free guide that talks about those three, but also talks about intervals. And the reason is because the, the other three and basically all of music theory is built off the concept of intervals. That's foundational knowledge. Intervals in and of themselves are also useful, um, but not as absolutely necessary to like know the names of intervals um, as as chords, keys, and chord progressions. Those things are just absolutely essential. And I, th- I think I'm a big believer, and for basically anything you learn, there is a very small amount of things you need to learn to get like ninety percent of the results. Uh, I actually saw this interesting TED talk once that was basically somebody saying that you could learn to be in like the 90th percentile of, of people competent at a thing with 24 hours of concerted effort. It was something like that. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. It's, it's like photography, right? There's, there's basically – you might not know, know photography. This may be a terrible example to pick. But I, I'm aware of the fact that photography is basically three different elements – and if you master those three, you're 90% of the way there. Everything else is just sort of icing on, on top. When it comes to mixing music, if you understand EQ and compression, you're 90% of the way there. Yeah, reverb's nice. Yeah, delays are nice. But ultimately, the most important part of getting a mix right and what will get you 90% of the way there is just understanding those two things. When it comes to music writing, I think there's three things. Maybe four things if we include intervals. But the three things are keys, chords, and chord progressions. That will get you so much of the way there. Later, tack on extra knowledge about, you know, sus chords, what they are, what they do, and, you know, seventh chords and add chords and different inversions and why inversions matter, which, by the way, you can check out the YouTube channel to see videos on those. I think I have videos on all of those things at this point, perhaps multiple videos talking about them from different angles and all that. But uh, So if you're interested, you can check that out. But certainly start. Make sure you know your music theory. Make sure you're telling your your, your songwriter friends to learn music theory. Um, and you can check it out at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. That will teach you those four pillars that I think are most important as a songwriter. The three things that made a huge difference, most of the difference in me going from, you know, basically I had to hope and pray to write a piece of music that was even remotely decent to being able where the bottleneck for me in songwriting is never music writing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I joke with I have a friend who does EDM stuff. And we like to, to talk because there aren't too many songwriters usually you know. So whenever you find a kindred spirit, you, you tend to talk about it a lot. Um, but I always tease him how I'm jealous that he writes music that doesn't really have lyrics. He just writes EDM w- without lyrics, without a singer, uh, instrumental. 
And I'm so jealous of that because I told him like I would have like 10 songs out per month if I didn't have to write lyrics. The bottleneck is absolutely lyrics. Um, and that mostly becomes true when you learn music theory because an understanding of music theory is what is going to make it so that your bottleneck will never be the ability to write music. It will be writing great lyrics. Uh, he actually, fun fact, uh, he doesn't take any music lesson except for music theory lessons. I couldn't be more proud of him. Good job, Sean. Not that he listens to this podcast, but good job, Sean. Um, anyway, that's all we got today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I hope you don't think I was going hard on you with the music theory thing if you are a person who was in the camp. So if I was poking fun at, at you or something you used to say, it is all just with love. Sometimes you need a little tough love. Sometimes you need somebody to come alongside you and say, you know, I hear your opinion about this thing, but maybe you just don't understand. Maybe, maybe you need to give this thing another shot. Maybe you misunderstand what it actually is, and that's why you think it doesn't have value. But as somebody who does know the thing and knows what it's like to be a songwriter before music theory versus after music theory, uh, I can confidently put my flag down in the camp of, man, music theory is so, so helpful for songwriting. So I hope you take that to heart. I hope you make sure to learn some music theory. Again, if you just want to know the the four pillars, the four basics that are absolutely essential in my opinion, be sure to check out that free guide. Link is always in the description or the show notes or whatever it's called. If you enjoy this podcast, um, of course, like always, I appreciate all of you who have taken the time to write a kind review. That means a ton to me. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to leave a kind review if you feel you enjoy this podcast. If you hate this podcast, maybe uh, maybe don't take maybe don't take the take the reviews, but um, it'll be okay. It's it, it's okay if you find another podcast and you break up with this podcast. That's okay. Um, I just want you to make sure that you're listening to the podcast that is right for you. Some people I'm gonna be right for. Other people I'm not. I totally understand that. I'm totally good with that. Not breaking my heart. I appreciate all of you who do listen. I appreciate all of you who just uh, have given this podcast a shot. Uh, I know there are tons of podcasts I look at. I'm like, "Eh, I'm not even going to give it a shot. So I know that you just giving it a shot is, you know, going out on a limb a little bit because you're signing up to spend half an hour to figure out if you like somebody or in this case, 50 minutes. But but. Anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for all the kind reviews. Thank you for the emails, which, by the way, I'm behind on emails. I know I'm going to I'm gonna get to them. Um, I appreciate every single one of you. Have an awesome week, and maybe I'll see you on the YouTube side of things. <laughs>